Hello, everyone, and welcome to Devil Fruit Punch, the podcast where we read One Piece and then we talk about it. I am, of course, your host, John, and joining me today is Matt. Hey, how's it going? Also joining me today from the red wastes of Texas is Patrick. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Patrick, Wait. I always do you first, <laughs> no matter what the situation is, what podcast we're snubbed. on. I was snubbed this podcast episode. <laughs> and then this time I did you second, and it really felt weird. Well, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, the noise gate just got like the first and last like 10%. <laughs> the waveform is showing it was captured. Oh, okay. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, it, it always is on the, on the audacity. <laughs> okay, I need to stop commenting on it then. Because <laughs> it sounds like a rube. <laughs> what if I just like cut it out of each episode? Oh, that, man, <laughs> can, that'd be a really good. <laughs> yeah, we could recreate what Matt hears uh, for the podcast <laughs> listeners. Um, all right, uh, so we have two emails to address. I'm ooh. going to address them in reverse chronological because I want to talk about the second one first. Davey back email. Oh, no. Um, Robin, our executive producer, commented Robin. Uh, that she wanted to respond to the allegations that <laughs> Z- <laughs> I was going to say that Nami and Zoro are hooking up, and I almost oh. Conflate. I almost said Zami, which would be their shipping name. Oh, that that's going too far for me too. <laughs> uh, she says Nami is clearly a lesbian or Ooh. a lesbian, a lesbian. Uh, if lesbian. you keep reading this within my, with that in mind, soon you'll see the gayest thing in this comic since Bond play. <laughs> I am curious what, could, what Robin is referring to. <laughs> what could be gayer than a cum tower, like a cum windmill tower, or whatever it was, water fountain? She wasn't enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I mean, like, Bon Clay, like... Oh, wait, no. Are you thinking of the wax guy? That's I was thinking the wax guy. Yeah. That was number three. Bon Clay's yeah. number two, which is... Oh, who's a, number three? Oh, I don't know. Uh, wax, wax, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I thought that was Bon Clay this whole time. No, bon no. Bon number was, two? Number two is Bon Clay. Number three, the wax guy, is the guy who, like turned himself into a wax ball when the crocodile yeah. ate him. I thought that was Bon Clay. No. That's not that's not the the like the what is it called? Dual not dual personality, but the non-binary like yeah, non-binary. number two guy. No, that's that Bon Clay. That's Bon Clay. Yeah, um, cuz the wax guy's power is wax. Bon Clay's power is that he can transform his body into someone else's body. So he like right. turned himself into Nami yeah. and had Nami's oh. titties. Of yeah, the, course, the clone course, clone fruit, yeah, clone clone fruit. Yeah, and it's, I will point out the only person who seemed to enjoy the wax treatment at all was uh, Zolo. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Cool, I'm gonna be an awesome statue when I die." Yeah, <laughs> I love being slathered with uh, this white gooey stuff with wax wax. <laughs> I mean, that's like up there with Zoro moments for me when he was like. Make sure you're in a cool pose so that everyone will think you're oh, cool when yeah. you're covered in wax. No, <laughs> him going from that to I'll just cut off my legs uh, is an all-timer Zolo moment for me, too. <laughs> I like to imagine there was like a Zolo of Pompeii that was like, no, 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 just pose cool when they find you. It's going to be awesome, I swear. The dude is just like flexing. He's like pumping like weights. Everyone's to like, like <laughs> everyone's Honestly, sad I mean, and he's like. <laughs> we've, we've seen the masturbating guy from, you know, the Pompeii disaster, and I kind of feel like he was hamming it up uh, for that exact reason. <laughs> he was memeing. Yeah. That's the first meme anyone ever did. <laughs> God. Yeah. History's yeah. first troll. He's the OG. 
<laughs> Robin, I, I can't wait to rediscover the moment you're thinking of, but uh, I, I am fully on your camp. Nami and Zolo are not hooking up. <laughs> I can't see it happening. I think they're just low key enough about it that nobody knows about it. You know, mm. they just play it real cool. Mm. Uh, Robin also says, uh, I think she is implying that Zoro is sexually attracted to his swords, which might also be true. That's I 100%. That. Yeah, 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 I believe that. <laughs> That's not even a hard sell. That's, a, <laughs> that's low hanging fruit, I think. Yeah, not really subtext. That's just kind of what's going on. All right, email number two. We have some freaks to look at. Robin loves sending us freaks, oh, so thank here you, we Robin. go. Robin love it. Uh, these are all freaks with big heads. Okay. So this one is freaking strawberry or something. I don't know. <laughs> a character you don't know. Okay. Swan. Swan man. He has. Oh, so that's his hat on top. Is, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a navy man with a flat top that is so tall that it's like as long as his torso, basically. Yeah, you remember? Hey, Arnold, I think it was Eugene. Uh, the yeah, friend. yeah. Very like a much more exaggerated version. Of, this of is that. Eugene. Uh, Eugene yeah. joined the navy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that even though the hair is like kind of goofy. His, the rest of his design is so cool that it kind of makes up for it. Like, I always love the big, like, sweeping uh, marine coat where they, like, don't even yeah. put their arms in the sleeves. It just kind of hangs on them like a cloak or something. This guy and reminds then, me. Oh, I'm sorry. Gerald. That's his name, Gerald. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't know why I thought Eugene. But then on top of, that's like, the, the badass marine jacket, he also has a double-breasted, like, I don't know, forest green suit. Yeah. So he's he looking looks, good. I think he looks pretty cool. I assume he's a bad guy because he's in the Marines, but maybe maybe I'll be surprised, you know? He looks strong. Um he kind of reminds me of the like the cool, tough Japanese guys that rock like pompadours. Like yeah. really exaggerated pompadours. I wouldn't want to fuck with them. Um I'm not sure if this is a character in the manga or just the anime. He's not ringing any bells for me, but uh, that I forget a lot of shit, so that doesn't mean anything. Um I'm excited to get to him too. I don't love that his name is Strawberry, but I guess I'll get over that. So, uh, cards on the table. When you said the name was Strawberry, I fully expected a character from the Whole Cake Island arc, um, which means something to you, John. I know that doesn't mean me, anything to you yet, Patrick, but... Let me look at the email and see if maybe I... No, yeah, it's Strawberry. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, cool. Love it. It would be awesome, actually, if Robin sent us filler characters, because then none of us would know... <laughs> Anything about Robin? Them? What if you were drawing characters <clears throat> and sent them to us, and you could just say they're from somewhere we might not be yet? We would never know. Oh, I love that. Yeah, this one is Rizo, and this actually I wanted to point out. This is a cool thing. Um, fans will do like colorizations of panels from the manga, mm -hmm. and sometimes they do like a really good job. And I think this is an example of that. I, um, I do know Rizo. I love Rizo, and I love that from this picture, you have no idea if this is like a weirdly large guy or a freakishly small guy. Right. Yeah. His head is either twelve feet tall or twelve inches yeah. tall. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like um. Who's at the beginning of the chapters? I'm trying to go back and see. Hyrukin or no? Uh, oh, I'm going right now. Ugh, I first to pick the fucking one that doesn't have the beginning. <laughs> oh no, you're like thinking that. of um, yeah, the um, one of the, the four. Hair. I would, yeah, I can't remember his name either. He's one of Anaru's uh, lieutenants, right? And the whole cover story we've got right now is him after he falls, you know, down to the blue sea, 
and he hooks up with like a mole construction worker and like, you know, a, a baboon carpenter and yada, yada, yada. They open a hot spring that connects to Alabasta through a tunnel. Um, and it's just a whole thing. That's what he's up to now. Oh, Gadatsu? Yes. Yeah, Gadatsu. Gadatsu. Thank you. Yeah. He has the same hair as Gadatsu. He does. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I did see this guy, but I yeah. don't remember anything about him. <laughs> this guy shows up in, um, either in Punk Hazard or not too long after that, I want to say. Yeah. So I, I think he is up yeah. to where you've read. Yeah. All right. Um, so fun. I love looking at all these weird freaks. Oh yeah. This one is Don Chinjao. Yes. I remember this guy too. <laughs> mm. I don't remember him, but something you about have, that head does make me feel like I've seen him before. I don't. It's like there's somebody else behind him with the same kind of head. It's a mirror. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I believe we're we're seeing the same character from two different angles. Yeah, so th- this is a man with um, kind of ornate robes. I, I think it's fair to. S- it's kind of hard to describe as attire. Like I, I think that there's sort of a vaguely, almost like kind of in in the areas where like the middle east and asia kind of blend into each other kind of like in a mongolian style or like um the steps um he's got like a sash he's got this you know kind of shirt with all these circles and loops on it but it it looks like a like a european captain's jacket on on top of that and uh a gigantic pointy triangle cone head (laughs) up top i his outfit is sort of giving streetwear vibes to me I could see him as a high beast for sure. Yeah. But I, I do like the thing that you were saying about like, I guess, what would you call that? Like West Asia <laughs> or Central Asia, that kind yeah. of area. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't have a better name for it than just the steps, but I, I don't know how the steps. <laughs> descriptive that is. Well, I'm excited to learn about this weirdo. Um, yeah. This we is have, a good weirdo. I, I can vouch for this weirdo. I think we have two more. Wow. There's so many of these. I love it. I love it. I'm trying not to spend too much time on every on each one because there's oh yeah so little happened. There's so much to talk about in these chapters (laughs) too. Like to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this one is Ivankov. Okay. Yes. All right. Or um, who is (laughs) who's Tim Curry's character from Rocky Horror? Oh, Uh, (laughs) Doctor Frankenfurter. Yeah, Frankenfurter. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think. Most people credit Tim Curry in, in, in that role as the inspiration for this, but there's also a uh, a comedian friend of Oda's whose name I can't recall who wears a wig. It, it's like blonde, but it, it's the same style of wig that uh, this character is wearing. Or Well, they're not wearing a wig. They're just rocking the hair. So this person, I remember this person, and they're one yeah. of the coolest characters in all of One Piece. This is a very iconic and very well beloved character. That like uh, as far as side characters go, it's up there with Bon Clay. It's up there mm-hmm. with Vivi. Um, We're gonna have a lot to say about this character when they get introduced. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, but just to describe them, it's essentially if a drag queen's head was as big as the rest of their body, and they're wearing like <laughs> a pink unitard with a like really high collar and fishnet right. tights. Yeah, the unitard kind of reminds me of like a wrestler's outfit, like an old timey one, like the kind of shit like Hulk Hogan used to wear. Um, but yeah, and I love that like they're wearing a cape that looks like a fishnet cape, which is yeah, yeah. 
super useful. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it'd make any sense in real life, but it's a great like comic touch. <laughs> this is like, um, imagine if you had to make a costume and there was a fabric shortage. Yeah. This is what you would come up with. I, and it, I just want to say, it, it's very funny that they're standing on what looks like an iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Okay, last one. We have Sandersonia. This one also rings a bell. Not sure if I've seen okay, them or I, not. I know who hmm. this is. I, I believe you have seen this character, John. It, the theming reminds me of another another character that I know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're dealing with a big, wide-headed, green-haired babe uh, and in a bikini. Kind of like, uh, and she has tattoos, which is pretty hot. Big, long tongue. Uh, that's just neutral for me. Doesn't really do anything for me, but uh, maybe someone is into that. Tangled, but if they were frog people, this was kind of hot frog people. I'm, I'm happy. I could see frog. lizard people. Yeah, I'm happy to um, fly the the long tongue flag. I, I appreciate that aspect. Um, to me, <laughs> this is very snake coated. Um, the snake, tongue is yeah. forked, and yeah, to me, the tattoo it looks like it could be like a like a frog head or sorry, like a turtle head. But um, I think with the tongue there too, I I read this as a snaky character. It's a hot and snake also like lady. a drape. Like a drape skirt, kind of, where it's like, I'm imagining, this is like a kitchen window drapes, where you like curtains, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a <laughs> short and white lace, kind of. And the sure. curtains are open, baby. Well, yeah. Like curtains a, are open. Like belly dancer-ish. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah. Um, cool. And that's actually something that Robin brought up in the email. She was like, hey, listen, these all have big heads, but there's still someone for you to get canceled about. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think Love this is always appreciated. Establishing a reputation. <laughs> I mean, Robin is starting to um, kind of throw light shade in the emails, which I do Good. appreciate. I mean, we got to be. She's our most down. dedicated listener, so if anyone can talk shit about us, it's it's her. Absolutely, own us harder, please. <laughs> I don't mean that to say that Robin is being mean to us. She's just being cheeky, you know. Oh no, for sure. Love it. All right. Well, let's get into this fucking set of chapters because we have so much to talk about the crew discusses how to handle the robin situation and frankie still has a personal vendetta against luffy iceberg sends polly to retrieve something from his safe and cp9 makes a two-pronged attack at that very moment robin activates iceberg's trap card as cp9 is led on a wild goose chase for a fake blueprint Polly, Luffy, and Lulu face off against other members of Cypher Pool 9, just as Luf- Luchi, Kaku, Blueno, and Khalifa are revealed to be part of the very same organization. As it turns out, Frankie was a fellow apprentice of Iceberg's master Tom, and likely has been entrusted with these blueprints. Also, apparently his name is Cutty Flam. <laughs> CP9 reveals some of their abilities as they completely rinse the straw hats, and CP9 is on the prowl for Frankie, who is extremely moved by Usopp's tale of heartbreak. Uh, And then finally, we get the extended backstory of Frankie, Tom, Iceberg, and the Sea Train. And that's everything that happened. All right, see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> All right, Patrick, you're on the spot. What did you think about this set of chapters? Yeah, just I, tell us everything, Patrick. Literally anything you want to say about it. I want to hear. So from the top, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of shit going on. So much payoff. Um, yeah. I can't believe, like we were talking before we started recording and kind of defining this arc where it starts 
and not where it's going because I have no idea, but the starting, they included the Davy backstory and I was like, what a <laughs> such a shitty prequel intro into this awesome arc so far because it's really been so good. And I, I guess the thing off the top of my head that I kind of want to bring up, it doesn't start at the beginning, but the, this is just the most recent thing I was thinking of, but the Sandam, Sandam guy from CP9. Spandam, I I wrote it down. Spandam, eventually from CP9. I think it's CP5 when you first see when you first meet him, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That black nose. uh, As as far as we know, we've only seen Spandam in the in the flashback so far, and and he has only been associated with uh, CP5 uh, so far. Uh, Well, in the at 59 or 58, they reveal. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Did we not read to 58? Because I did. <laughs> uh, did I did not. I did 57. <laughs> yeah, we did 57. Oh, no, that's okay. Fuck. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know what he leads now, but uh, <laughs> this guy with the black nose, I I thought that was going to be the doctor because I thought that was going to be Iceberg's doctor. Um, because when Iceberg is shot and or in the coma or whatever, yeah. They, uh, the, you see the doctor, and he's got that black nose and a mustache. And when you see, um, Spandam, yeah, Spandam, yeah, I um, was like, oh, that's Spandam. gonna be him, yeah, Spandam, yeah, thought that was gonna be him. Turns out so far not to be him. I, I was, I was disappointed by that. I, I wanted to touch very briefly on Spandam that, um, Oda doesn't do this a lot, but, um, when he introduces a character that he really fucking hates. He makes a point of not only making them look like really grotesque and just like something you don't enjoy looking at in some way, mm. um, but also like when the story allows for it, just like owning them really badly. And I think Spandam is the first like really good example of this because like the very first frame we see him is him getting like bombed by one of Frankie's ships. Uh, and he just continually like gets kicked in the face or what, like, you know, Tom beats, like just belts him. Um, cause he's a detestable little worm. He's this awful freak who like, th- there are a few things happening in this arc that really show the world government going like full villain mode. And one of them <laughs> is this awful guy ordering a false flag attack on like a judicial ship just to make sure mm-hmm. that like Tom doesn't get away with this. Um, and we even see, right? Like there's, there's a comment about the blueprints, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about, you know, it's revealed that the br- the blueprints are for this super weapon Pluton, which they made all of this big deal about Pluton back in Alabasta. That's the whole reason why Crocodile did everything he did in that kingdom over, what, like seven years or something? Yeah. It was just to find Pluton. Um, it's also why Nico Robin did what she did for the past, like, mm-hmm. 20 years, apparently. Well, it's part of it, yeah, right? Because, like, she... Well, as far as we know, I mean, we haven't gotten much other answers, right? Well, there's there's that exchange with Iceberg where Iceberg basically says... Like, I have to murder you because you're the most dangerous woman in the world, um, because you were the only person who could possibly reawaken these weapons. Um, and she says, I agree with you. I have no intention of doing that. Um, but you can't tell me how to how to pursue my, you know, my study of history, basically. Um, yeah. Um, but like, Oh, sorry. Just the, my last point that I wanted to bring up is that, like, Lucci makes this point about how, oh, the, the elders thinking has changed. They now believe that... Uh, you know, the world government should seize Pluton and use it. And we see in the flashback that that was all Spandam. Spandam is like, this is my idea. Here's what we should do. And they're like, okay, I mean, find it first, then we'll talk later. Um, 
So it's all this one shitty guy driving all of this. Anyway, I hate Spandam. That, that, that was it. I'm so glad I didn't say something else because that is from <laughs> something you have not read. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've read it before, but. <laughs> um, you know, I have to like just insert my weird Marxism into everything. You know how I am, but. Uh, Please, it's part of the fun. This, this sort of reminded me of um, something Mao said. I'm probably paraphrasing and maybe misrepresenting, but it was something along the lines of um, when there's chaos under heaven, everything is excellent or something like that. I know know the quote you mean, yeah. Uh, Basically, it's kind of almost like a reverse Littlefinger situation where it's kind of this idea that when things are discordant, when things are in a state of struggle, in a state of contradiction, that that's when like great overwhelming change can happen, that there's potential within a situation like that for like a great upheaval, upheaval or revolution in Mao's case. So I think that that is sort of the world government's thinking in wanting to destroy the age of pirates to stop it uh, in its tracks is the more chaos, the less control, the more likely that a new system can emerge from this, from these conditions, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's really spot on. I think it's it's a really one of the strongest recurring themes of One Piece is that Luffy represents a sort of positive chaos, and wherever he goes, wherever the Straw Hats go, they just kind of disrupt everything um, yeah. in a way that kind of heals old wounds and rights old wrongs and uh, leaves things better than when they found them. Um, and I think it's very astute too to say, you know, what is the why is the government doing these things? <laughs> And other than like one-off like lunatics like Axan Morgan, like as a whole, it's about control. Um, piracy represents, you know, freedom um, and chaos, and and they want to tamp down on both. Since I kind of feel like we're going in reverse order at this point, and we're just talking about the flashback first. Uh, Patrick, was there anything else that you wanted to hone in on? Because I mean, the main the main one for me is that young iceberg was fucking hot as hell. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the whole, um, I think I just call him Tom, big yeah. Tom what was his name. Yeah. They just call him Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, the whole thing with Tom was pretty awesome to see, uh, very sad because of what ended up happening and how it affected both iceberg and, um, uh, Frankie or, uh, Clappy Flam. Clappy Flam. I forgot Cutty his flam. name. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Clappy would be a way funnier name for him, but yeah. Clappy just makes me think of that Goosebumps uh, ventriloquism doll. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Slappy or whatever. Slappy. Yeah, yeah, not Clappy. Clappy was his cousin. <laughs> um. Clappy was the, the, uh, the World War II sailor who came back more than he yeah, bargained yeah. for. Slappy's brother for a tale uh, against uh, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, the puffing Tom thing starts to be a way more sentimental. Just that whole the whole train, the mm-hmm. frog. Uh, I think they call him Zoro Zoroaster. I'm just kidding. I don't no, know his it, fucking it, name. The frog um, person. The Zoro Yokozuna, which is um, I was I, so close. I think it's a title for like a master sumo wrestler. It is called a Yokozuna. That right. was yeah, so just, cool because it yeah. was just like, what was it, like 40 chapters ago at this point? They just yeah. show you this stupid frog standing in front of a train. And you're, yeah. and you're like, what it's is like this guy? It's like chasing the chain. 
Yeah. The train, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, and, I, and, and the old lady, too. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, these people are nothing people. Yeah. And then also, you're like, oh, my God. She was pretty hot when she was young, too. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to point out that in my notes, I described Yokozuna because I, I did not remember his name. To me, he is the Sisyphean frog. Because oh, yeah, that like is that. what he represents to me. <laughs> well, in, in like... I, I love the thing with Yokozuna because like it, it turns your understanding on its head so much. Because um, mm-hmm. when they introduce him, he's like, you know, he, he's trying to challenge the train. And, and I think the, the line is even, oh, yeah, he's trying to beat it. Um, and only later on do you find out like, oh, he helped build it. Like he loved the train, but he hated yeah. what mm-hmm. it became, which is this thing that like for all the good things that, you know, the, the Puffing Tom does, it also transports the damned to... Annie's lobby, which is this thing that we start hearing over and over again, the judicial island where they say anyone taken there is never seen again. Um, and like, I think you could say that of Frankie too. Like, Frankie has been this weirdo, bizarro wild card, just kind of lingering on the edges of the story all, all the way up until now. And all of a sudden, he becomes incredibly important. And then we get this backstory on him that is is just wild. Like this, yeah, orphan. Yeah, like this little rascal whose parents like threw him away, basically, who just is obsessed with building battleships. Yeah, I um, mean, Frankie is such a funny character because he's like this goofy, like almost like parody of masculinity and like coolness or whatever. But he's also like a weapons developer. He's like the fantasy yeah. version of Raytheon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, but he does it because he likes it. And, and I really love that moment where like, I think Tom is super cool. I think Tom is like a father figure is super cool. He's so like laid back and encouraging. Um, and the one time you really see Tom like get angry with either one of his apprentices is when Frankie tries to like disavow his ships because they were used to hurt people. Uh, and he basically tells him, you know, no matter what a ship is used for, like you as its builder must always love it. Um, cause somebody has to. Did you guys get conflicting feelings from that? Because right before that conversation, he's talking with Iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. And Iceberg is telling him, you built this, you brought this into existence, you have to take responsibility. I think it was Iceberg telling him this. Yeah. 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 It may have been somebody else, right? Iceberg told, Iceberg told Frankie, yeah, you, you, it's right. irresponsible to leave these weapons everywhere. And it's and it's very, like, I don't know if uh, appropriate is the right term, but it's like very like present in today's society with like the gun, the gun kind of debate, firearm debate with like, yeah, take responsibility for owning firearms. And also like the guns kill people, people or people kill people. Guns don't kill people kind of yeah. debate <laughs> shit like that. Right. And I feel like you get kind of, I was surprised of what Tom told him <clears throat> after you hear what Iceberg tells Frankie, mm-hmm. because Iceberg tells him, you know, like you have to be careful, like what you create. And you have to consider like all uses of what you create. Like just because you created the this thing for fun and you didn't really think anything of it, like they can be used for great violence, which is what exactly happens with his battleships that he makes, right? Yeah. And then you get Tom when Frankie's kind of disavowing ever creating these battleships and kind of is in regret. Tom's like, No, no, you created these ships. You have to love them. Like you you have to appreciate them. Doesn't matter what happens to them, like you built them, you have to be proud of that. And I thought that was interesting that you get kind of both sides in this. I think it's in like just a few chapters. I agree with you. And, and, and I think that's a great point. And I don't think it's presenting either perspective is wrong. Right. Um, and it really kind of shows the different approaches of like Iceberg versus Tom philosophically. Um, Iceberg is really smart. Like everything we've seen of him up until now has been this kind of brilliant master craftsman who's like united 
you know, all the companies, uh, you know, of, of Water 7, as we see from the flashback, which was in a really not a great state. It, the, the city was on the verge of, of death and decay um, versus Tom, who's more kind of romantic about it. And, and he's like, whatever you, you do, you do it with pride. But I think the bottom line is that was like a tempering aspect for Frankie. Because I think Tom probably recognized that Frankie's passion is in building these battle Frankies, as they're called. And um, if he if he kind of rejects that now, he might reject being a shipwright entirely. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want that. He does. He's be lost. Yeah, because like Frankie didn't make those to hurt anyone. I, I mean, other than the Neptunian, which he said, "I want to be able to kill a, a sea monster." Um, but I, I don't know. It's an interesting middle ground because also like when when we see Tom pass them both the uh, blueprints to the Pluton, he basically says, "Do whatever you want with it." Yeah, like he even comments like throw it away if you if you think that would be less trouble. But I, I think part of the implication there is like if you decide you want to build this, that's not for me to to weigh in on it. You know, right. I'm, I'm bequeathing this. It's up to you. Yeah. Giving full responsibility to like mm-hmm. his successors, which is pretty rare. I think usually there's caveats and like strings that you have to. Well, I'm only giving you this as long as you only do this. And he's just like, do whatever you want. Like, yeah, my life is over kind of. He has faith in them to make the right, right. decision, even if he doesn't agree. I, I, yeah, he's not he's not putting his own weight on it. Um, and I, I love Tom. I love, you know, because you can read at the very end when, like, he says, OK, if I've redeemed myself of one crime, I want it to be this crime. Right. Like the, the charge of attacking the judicial ship, which on one level is a very canny way of getting Iceberg and, and Frankie out of out of the hot seat. But. I think he, I believe him too when he says, I'm proud of helping that man, Roger. Um, right. And like, that's Frankie's whole thing is like, you built the best ship in the world. You built the only ship that crossed the grand line. People should be like on their feet, like being grateful to you and appreciative of you. <laughs> He's what proud do you think, of John. Him. Yeah. Sorry. I've been blathering on and on. God, Matt. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah what am <laughs> I'm I doing? Just kidding. <laughs> I have so many thoughts, but. You guys are like unlocking new neural pathways for me right now where like John's brain is rewired right now. I'm kind of honestly like I didn't even really think about this dimension, which I'm kind of like ashamed of. But no, I, I didn't think of a lot of that until Patrick said something. Yeah, that's yeah. why this is fun convo. You're, my impulse is to like go, OK, you know what? Actually, fuck Tom, <laughs> which is funny because I went into this being like kind of very shallow and surface level going like i think tom's cool and it's a cool backstory and he's a fish man and he does cool fish man moves and he's really <laughs> strong and i like him and now you guys are making me think about stuff and i feel like i need to like go back to the drawing board and kind of like reconsider some of this stuff so i appreciate that yeah for the record i think tom is cool as hell i love tom <laughs> i do as well i think his parenting style is similar to some of one of my parents. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like, That's cool. It's kind of like just gives you a lot of leverage and or like a lot of leeway to make your own decisions, right or wrong. Yeah. Which is which which is difficult to deal with sometimes. And and it really helps like imply like it says a lot without saying much explicitly of like how complicated, you know, Frankie and Iceberg's relationships are to each other and to the city mm-hmm. in general. Like right. it, it just it, it adds so much weight to everything that we saw before. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, at the very end of this flashback, Frankie basically, you know, first of all, he attacks the train to try to save Tom, which is sick. <laughs> but um, he, he basically proclaims that his dream is this, is to follow in Tom's footsteps and to 
build a dream ship that will circumnavigate the world uh, as well. Um, but we see in the present that he doesn't build ships anymore. He, he dismantles them. It's so mm-hmm. crazy, dude. Like, the, Frankie is a character who is introduced as being responsible for beating Usopp within an inch of his beating life. Beating the shit out of him. Yeah, and, right. and, then you, them. <laughs> and then you get to this part where he's like, my dream is to create the dream ship that will carry the next pirate king or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, I hope he does that. Like, I hope he can I do know. it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Rooting for the wife beater here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, man. What, like 22 years have passed. And, like, a lot's changed. And, like, he has the Frankie family, which, like, like we, we hear the Frankie family call him bro all the time, which I am, I would bet money is a translation of the word Aniki. Yeah. Uh, which means big brother. And it, it's a very common term of address uh, for a Yakuza captain. So, yeah. They're really hinting that, yeah, Frankie's a gangster. Um, he's got the tattoos, oh. which... Oh, sorry. No, 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 please go. I was gonna, He has tattoos, which, like, in and of itself isn't that remarkable, but I think combined with the Aniki has a further Yakuza connotation. <laughs> um, but they're also stars, and we also see for the first time that Frankie is powered by cola, which <laughs> helps underline the fact that, like, among the other things going on in Frankie's inspiration, he is also meant to be a kind of loving parody of Americans. <laughs> <laughs> well, and specifically like 1950s America, you know, like with the yeah. pompadour and the Coca-Cola and the cool and yeah. I think there's that, but I also think that I think part of Frankie is that it's odor riffing on the most iconic American action movie star in his most iconic role, which is, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I know is, you know, from Austria, but still <laughs> like he's he's a fucking I, I think shades that wearing he would agree with cyborg. you that he is American at this point he's oh yeah he's definitely American <laughs> okay I, I was getting huge Popeye vibes from yeah him the entire that time too Popeye so is like, like a big inspiration on One Piece they're like frame for frame recreations of Popeye scenes in this I mean like his forearms number one I'm like you're that's right. fucking Popeye yeah Popeye. that's a great point yeah Popeye Terminator I guess but like yeah. um, uh, literally right because he's a cyborg now mm-hmm. yeah but I feel like Maybe this is addressed later, but I was really hoping for some resolution on why the fuck he's obsessed with like being a dance party person, like or like uh, his his sudden like breakouts with dancing stuff. I feel like that was not explained, and I even with this emotional backstory, I'm still left wondering like you know wiping away tears. Like this is a beautiful backstory, but like what the fuck is with the dancing man Dude. and like his backing dancers? Like is that not addressed? So there it doesn't need to be i think because he's just a cool groovy guy who's doing what he wants to do it's why he wears a speedo everywhere it's why when he was a kid he was like y'all can do whatever you can be the good apprentice i'm working on my freak shit over here i I think frankie is like earnest in a way where he just like all this shit is just natural to him and if you like asked him Hey, why do you like do weird dance numbers and like sing songs and have like backup dancers and stuff? He would just be like, What why do you mean? You? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is just what I do. Why would I not do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he, he's very like emotional and hard on his sleeve, right? Like, he goes to the bar and he's like, Oh, we have way more money than I thought. Oh, cool. Drinks for everyone. <laughs> and then he, then he gets really mad just thinking yeah. about Luffy. And then. He got mad at the idea that he didn't spend all the money. Yeah. He's like, "What the fuck? Yeah. There's He's money like, left? Who me? fucked up? Yeah." yeah. <laughs> He's then, like, like, "What kind of what kind of person am I? Like, who would? Why would I can't believe I did that?" I love so much that he's like, yeah, I got to beat the shit out of Straw Hat. I'm going to kidnap his crew member and steal his ship. And the next time you see him, 
he's like weeping. He's moved to tears over like Usopp's story, and Usopp is like repairing the ship, and he's like, "You're my brother now, dude." <laughs> well, <laughs> I yeah, love you, man. <laughs> we're basically that, like, we're basically moving backwards through these chapters, so that yeah. is yeah. pretty much the next <laughs> thing to talk about. Is yeah, uh, please do. We got to talk about that. Yeah, is, oh, is Usopp and Frankie and their whole yeah. thing? Where yeah, like. Frankie is completely bought in at this point to this mm-hmm. like story and this this heartbreaking tale of struggle and camaraderie and perceived betrayal and all that and uh yeah it's a pretty contentious showdown between Usopp and Frankie to be honest but like that, right before yeah. that he's like telling his his minions like yeah go go rob uh, or go steal Usopp hide him under the bridge mm-hmm. right and then like tell everyone we have him and like draw out the other straw hats. And yeah. then like he goes back to his lair with Usopp and is like completely taken by Usopp's story of being, I think he, he struck his, you know, long lost shipbuilders chord of like this person that just has unadulterated love for this ship. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's very much that too, but I, I think he's also just a romantic, like he's just moved oh, totally. by his story, <laughs> you yeah. know? I I agree with what John was saying too, though. Like, you know that that confrontation where it's really well done. He's like, "What are your plans, brother?" And he says, "I'm gonna sail back to my home island with the Mary." And he's like, "I can't let you do that. I was gonna let you, if you wanted. I thought you wanted to die. I thought mm-hmm. you wanted to sink with your ship, and I wasn't gonna stop you. But I can't allow you to think for a second that that that's gonna happen. And just like tossing him into the water, say, "See for yourself." And saying, mm-hmm. I will take your problem away from you. And he just starts ripping chunks of it off. And right. like honestly, I like it, it seems so extreme and in your face. Um, but like that's what Usopp needed because he he finally fucking admits, I know, I know it's dead. Yeah, it's I, not I, I know, Yeah, I, I know. I, I I knew before anybody else did. Mm-hmm. Um And uh, the the thing with the uh the club yeah, I was gonna say Vunderkind. I couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> Club Otterman. Right, yeah. The the oh, spirit of the so spirit of the ship like yeah. being um manifested uh, as oh I I just could not stop thinking about how cool that would be like because I feel like okay, full disclosure here, I drive a uh, Ford fucking Ranger. Yeah. That has, <laughs> it's a two thousand six and it has over three hundred thousand miles on it. And like is an uncomfortable truck. It's not very practical, <laughs> and I love it to death. I I will fix it even if the engine blows. Yeah. I will put another engine in there. Like it is like so near and dear to me that I'm completely with Usopp on this. Like I yeah. would never give up the merry go. Um, and when when um, Frankie tells him like, look, like this, you, you I know you want to save it and take it, but like the ship is trying to tell you that yeah. like. You, it's trying to save you. Like it loves you just as much as you love it because it's appreciative of all like the care you've shown it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you would be doing a disservice to your ship by sailing it out more and then it not being able to get to the next Island and its keel is already cracked and the boards are ribs are leaking and all that. And it sails to the bottom of the ocean with you in it. Like, how do you think the ship would feel? Yeah. And I feel that's when Usopp's like, oh, I get it. Like, it, yeah. It cracks him. Yeah, but even then he's yeah. like, I, c- I can't leave a mortally, like, wounded person on their sickbed. Um, yeah. But you're right. It's really emotional. And, and I, I love the scene where Frank, like, the fact that Frankie knows what a Klobotterman is and explains it. And then he's like, I've never met anyone who claimed to see one uh, yeah. until this now. That was um, cool. 
It's uh, it's so good. Frankie, Frankie, did you see any of this coming, like, last episode? That was like, what I wanted no. to ask Patrick, is how do you feel about Frankie now as opposed yeah. to 20 chapters ago? Frankie was just a huge asshole. I just thought he was another baddie. I, I saw know. his chin, and I'm like, okay, like, this island is full of baddies, potential baddies. I don't even, I, we haven't even scratched the surface of how many of the, the, uh, CIA people oh, that I yeah. called out from the last <laughs> chapters have. that turned out to be 100% spot on. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch all of them, but I caught that uh, other long-nosed bastard. <laughs> you said you thought he was going to join the crew. <laughs> I thought he was going to join the crew, but I was also, he's like a little bit CIA kind of shady. Yeah, you did, you on. did. But I, I would have let him on my crew and then I would have been dead. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I still can't fully say what I want, you know, what I have to say about Frankie, but I, I, I specifically remember talking to John just one-on-one of like, I need to make extra sure that I don't let anything slip about Frankie because everything that happens with Frankie like caught me so off guard when I first read this. I it, Wait, I also remember us talking about me being like, oh, Frankie's so cool. I love him. And then you're like, <laughs> eh, I don't know if I'm sold on Frankie yet. <laughs> Who? Matt. Who, me? Yeah. No, oh, I, I don't remember that at all. Okay, maybe look. Maybe I'm mischaracterized. Let's roll the tape. Roll the tape. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to say it right now, because I, I kind of said early on that Robin is my favorite character in One Piece. I think Frankie's oh. my, my oh, second. Oh, you've said it, Matt. You've I said have. it, Matt. Frankie is my second favorite oh, character in One Piece. Oh, what we were talking about, I think, was the voice acting from the anime. You're right. I, I, I'm I not sold on Frankie's Japanese voice actor. I right? love it. Uh. <laughs> He, he he just sounds a little bit more like an old man, which I, I understand as different cultural connotations in, in Japanese, kind of more like soft voiced guy or whatever. It, it just it's not what I hear in my head. I agree, That's, though. I would not hear that either. Yeah, he is kind of an old man, though. He he's like in his thirties, which I know is an old man in anime. Or in whatever, one, in but... anime terms, that is quite ancient. <laughs> um. So yeah, the Klebouterman thing is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I love that as, I don't know, it's just like, this world has so much shit in it, dude. Like, you're learning yeah. about, like, these devil fruits and the mantra and, like, all this wild stuff. And then on top of that, there's also, like, sprites and spirits and shit. It's, like, yeah. so yeah. much stuff going on, and I love it. What And, and like, they're they're really giving it the, the proper sell of, like, no, it's a really big fucking deal that the ship is dying. Like, it, it is as if one of them was dying. And, like... I appreciate Usopp's narrative role in being like, you know, like Luffy like had the emotional moment, then he accepted it because that's what Luffy does. But like Usopp is really selling it for the audience of like, no, I need you to like marinate in this. I need you to think about what a big deal this is because it is. Um, and I don't know. I, I love just that little foreshadowing that we got in Skype of like, who the fuck fixed this? What is what's happening here? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, man, that. I mean, there's so much stuff there with Usopp and Frankie, but yeah, you know, we're we're getting closer to our time. So, can we just talk about you know CP9, Nico Robin, yes, Iceberg, Oof. that whole thing? Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, like thematically and analytically and all that. But I just want to say that a 12 foot tall leopard man is so cool, especially when he's in like a tuxedo <laughs> and a top hat with a pigeon on his shoulder. Oh, Mwah. Yeah. That is perfect to me. I love it. Was that Lucci or Lucy? How do you say that? I call him Lucci. I, I think Lucci, it's yeah. like an Italian name. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say as well. Well, it, and that was such a great moment too. I mean, we've got so much we can say about all this, but like there was a hard sell on how powerful these guys are, which Ooh. in the Viz translation oh, is the six arts. 
um, which we learn is like the basically world government, like secret martial arts style. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like nobody could do anything to any of these guys. And then Lucci's like, I'm going to go sicko mode on you anyway. Um, which I think just kind of helps show what a sadist he is. Um, mm-hmm. And like, we'll, we'll, obviously, you know, the arc's not over. We'll learn more about these guys. But, you know, some people don't really like Lucci as a villain because, you know, what you see is kind of what you get. But I do really appreciate that he is just a government psychopath. (laughs) Um, Right. And like, John, you were talking about, like, lefty stuff. I I really enjoy the theme here of, like, these badass, like, you know, these workers, these craftsmen, these people who, like, work on their feet and they work with their hands. Um being infiltrated by the government <laughs> in a very subversive way, yeah. which is very, you know, true to life. Right. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I find the six path thing to be like really interesting. Like, yeah, I particularly like, uh, the shave, I think is what they call yeah. it, where they can just like mm-hmm. blink, disappear. Yeah. Just blink out of existence and back into existence. Uh, it looks like that's what's happening. Probably they're just moving really fast or something, you know. I think that's they that's what say. They say. That, yeah, like yeah, you just, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, I, my legs moved so quickly you couldn't see. You me. didn't notice. Yeah, exactly. And also the one where you they can like jump through air is pretty cool. It's like yeah, video game logic they, where they're double they jumping. <laughs> yeah, they step on a cushion of air like that. Uh, they're like uh-huh. they're basically kicking yeah. so fast that they're like creating air <laughs> friction. Air molecules are like steps, yeah. yeah. I also I really love Finger Bullet, where he's like, you you don't need a gun oh, to shoot someone. Man. Yeah, I I uh, I thought that was like kind of ridiculous, and then as it went on, it kept being used more, and I yeah. was like, this is fucking brutal. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, like because you're right. Like there are so many cartoony things in One Piece, and and the idea of it sounds a little nuts, but like they really emphasize like the blood and the gore there. It, it's it's like oh, like Zola just got shot. Like oh, Luffy just got shot. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like the Bruce Lee one finger punch, where it's just like a punch that is a finger length yeah. away. Mm-hmm. This is like the opposite. It's like just using the, as if the yeah, punch just, was like on the tip of the finger and then just like going through people and like, oh. Absolutely. Pretty intense stuff. Pretty intense. Pretty intense. What? And just the reveal that it's it's these people, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Bl- like bl- oh, man. Yeah. Knife in the heart, knife in the back, man. Like, uh. Who's yeah. the uh, who's the uh, the secretary? Khalifa. Khalifa. Yeah. Khalifa. Yeah. The Khalifa oh. feels so personal. Bluno is like that guy. <laughs> yeah, Bluno. I was like that fucking loser. Like he's, <laughs> he's like the head honcho. Man. It makes like, sense though. He's the he's the the bartender at the place where they all go to drink and talk. He, he, yeah, and he he's also played the uh, he's played the part. You know, he also has the door ability, right? So he's like perfect yeah. for a super super secret spy team. Which great. Right. Uh, great idea like i can turn anything into a door um is one of those just like very limited ideas but it's like you know you could do creative and interesting things with it that's why i think like permesia fruits are like super slept on because they always seem so innocuous at first and then the more that like the user tries to develop that ability the scarier the ability gets you know yeah, like, I, I think, you know, Paramethia, I completely agree, but also, like, I appreciate that Lucci kind of gave a shout-out to zone types, because I, I think zone types can often feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. It's like, this guy can turn into fucking, like, lightning or fire, and, like, you can, okay, Chopper, you can turn into a person, that's really <laughs> cool. 
Um, but like Lucci points out that like zone fruits are the only, which maybe he's putting a little spin on this or whatever, but he's like zone fruits get proportionately stronger the more you train. So like mm-hmm. if you become tougher, your abilities become tougher and it becomes like a force multiplier. Um, yeah. And I think that's cool. Like, like this is putting a lot of respect on it. it it's really saying, which is the opposite of what fucking Eneru said, where he's like, Logi are like the, the supreme powers. And he's like, no, they're all really good in the, in the right hands. Uh, Chopper also mentioned that the carnivorous Zoan fruits are more aggressive yeah. and more like powerful. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it kind of turns That's what more you would psycho. say if you were a, a reindeer, wouldn't you? That is a like, very reindeer comment. Well, like, I was going to say. That's a very prey type of thing to say. <laughs> he ate the human-human fruit, so maybe the human-human fruit kind of emphasizes like the mental abilities Probably Maybe he so, got the vegetarian yeah. uh, human human fruit, so it was uh, different. <laughs> that is an w- interesting question. If, if Chopper becomes a meat eater because he becomes more like a human, <laughs> that's like fucking terrifying. A meat eating reindeer. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a little you know? fucked up. Yeah, it's like cocaine bear or something. You they know? just serve him venison once without thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "I've got the hunger." Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are coming pretty close up on time, so I do want to get to the rating and review. So let's do a last oh, call man. on. I feel like we didn't yeah. do this section justice. There's so much to talk about. We could talk about this for like three hours. We, we but... could have made like yeah three episodes out of this. Um, <laughs> okay, here's the main thing I want to I want to point out. Um, there's an interesting thing going on to me between um, Zolo, Luffy, and Robin. And um, we see this great moment where Zolo, you know, everybody's very confused and, and alarmed over what's going on with Robin. And Zolo says, we made the decision to let an enemy on board this ship without really knowing what she's about. And I thought this is a great callback to when they did accept her as a crewmate. Like, she basically won over everybody immediately except Zolo. Mm-hmm. He was the only one who was, like, not sold on her. Yeah. And, um kind of like we were talking about last week, right, with, like, Usopp is an example of, like, old chickens coming home to roost. The same thing is happening at the same time with Robin, and he says we need to, we have to finally decide. You know, we have to determine is she a friend or a foe. And um, I think it's pretty clear throughout this that Solo has, you know, he's open to both possibilities. But I think he 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 knows he thinks he knows what's going on. He thinks she is an enemy. And when they finally catch up to Robin, you know, he he says to Luffy, "Do you do you see now? Do you accept now that she's left the crew?" And this is a really interesting dynamic to me because, like, Zolo's the first mate. And, like, we just had a whole fucking speech from Zolo about how we have to be able to trust our captain 100% of the time. And, like, he's still following, you know, Luffy's lead. He's still deferring to Luffy's judgment. But I I think this is an interesting moment where there's, like, a private disagreement. He's not sold on Robin. He doesn't think Robin is a trustworthy person. But Luffy does. And, like, Robin is saying, you're never going to see me again. Let You know, let me go. Zolo is saying, like, do you, do you accept now that it's time to let her go? And Luffy says, I don't buy it. And um, it's really interesting because, like, like Luffy, I, I think when Luffy let her on the crew, a lot of what Luffy does seems very flippant or just kind of not thought out. And a lot of times it isn't. It's like a joke that they, you know, go to again and again. But he's absolutely confident that she's a good person. And he refuses to let her go until she explains herself, which she has, you know, not done at all so far. And um, one of the things that I really love about this arc is is how much it centers on that exact question of like, you know, Luffy's instincts, Luffy's resolve are being incredibly put to the test here, probably more than ever before. And it's a question of like, how far is he willing to go? 
to believe in himself, which, which is ultimately what this is. He, he put a bet on Robin, and I think he would let her go if she explained why. And until that happens, he's, he's not going to accept it. Um, and I'm really excited to just see how f- much he's going to have to go to the mat to continue to follow his convictions, which in a way to me is a microcosm of, of what he's going to have to do to become the King of Pirates. You can't become the King of Pirates if you're not able to completely trust your judgment and to act on it all the way, all the way to the end of the line. Luffy just has like supreme wisdom somehow. I, yeah. I don't know. Like that's the, I like the somehow that's the qualifier that is. <laughs> yeah. You can't important. really explain it or quantify it. It's just somehow he just knows. Well, we joke. He's got his he, instinct. Yeah. He, he's like the six intelligence, 20 wisdom D and D character. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Patrick. Uh, you know, if we follow Matt, oh, so fuck, good. God um, damn it. thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Matt kind of said it all. I'm, I'm uh, kind of forgot about the Nico Robin aspect of this arc because it's kind of in the beginning and then it's in the background for the kind of the rest of it. But uh, buddy, you, you're not going to forget for long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like talk about turning a page and like showing the, you know, dark side. Um, that is surprising. I am excited to see what happens next. I think that this arc for as much as it focus on the straw hats, it's mainly about all the people that live on water seven mm-hmm. and how much of their interactions are going to affect what happens to the straw hats in the end. And I'm very excited to see where this goes. I think this is the best story so far that I've read in one piece. Yeah. Um, like, like, sorry, yeah. Not, not to interrupt. I've talked too much, but like, I, this is the first arc where it's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. I, wh- yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what is it going to look like after this? Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, they're in pieces right now. Let's so get to we'll the rating happens. and review section of the podcast. I I know we didn't talk about everything that we wanted to, but we talked about a lot of good stuff, and that's what's important. Yeah. So Absolutely. I'm actually going to fuck with the order and the process, and <gasps> I'm going to go first. Is John going first? Oh, yeah. Go Unbelievable. Uh, How's he going to rate low if he doesn't know what our scores are? <laughs> this, is, this, this is S rank. <laughs> Uh, it's real good. I love Frankie. Probably one of my favorite antagonists. I love this, all this Nico Robin stuff that's happening. Rob Lucci, I also like as a bad guy, even though I know there are like criticisms of him, but I just think he's cool. Like his design is cool and CP9 as an idea is cool. So I'm all in. I'm for it. I'm ready to go. Can't wait for the next set of chapters. Uh, Matt, what about you? I, I mean, you can probably get a rough guess on where I'm going to land on this. I, I This is my favorite arc in general. Um, I love everything going on. I, you know, we, we mentioned like the false flag attack earlier, which is something, but also like the idea of a, you know, officially unofficial assassination squad. Like they're really, it, some people would say that this is the arc where the world government starts, you know, going from like morally gray of like other oh, few bad apples to like, oh no, this is like a, the good guys are the exception. This is an evil organization. Um, I thought every page of this was an absolute, I'm on the hook for it. I, I read all this in one go the day after our recording. I couldn't put it down. It didn't matter that I knew it was coming. Like, this is complete fucking fire. Um, some of my favorite moments in this we haven't even gotten to yet, but like, I can't not give this the highest of prizes, the triple S ranking. Um, oh, fuck. I, bam, 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 bam. I mean, look, what, what more can you fucking hope for, man? This, this shit is peak fucking one piece and it's not the only time it's going to be peak, but this right here is peak. 
This is damn. something really special. I was saving mine, but damn, I respect it. I respect it for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Patrick, what about you? <laughs> uh, I think as I kind of gave away earlier, I think this is the best story arc that I've read so far in One Piece. I'm kind of surprised it is happening at, what, 350 whatever. <laughs> yeah, a third of the way through the whole thing. <laughs> third of the way through, so but far, I mean, yeah, yeah no, um it just kind of sneaks up on you how good this is, is how good this is especially after you read that bullshit davy backstory so like <laughs> this is so fucking good i love every moment of this arc i cannot wait to see what happens next even though i already read one chapter too far so i will i will revisit this later but i'm gonna give this a seven out of seven ship kingdoms <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much everybody for listening uh, you can shoot us an email at devilfruitpunch at gmail.com. Our new intro and outro music is by Matthew Ross, a very talented and prolific beatsmith. And until next time, ahoy! Yeah! Boom! With your chest out, right? <laughs> Boom! Boom! <laughs>